Welcome to episode 217 of the No Clue Podcast. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Tyler. I'm Mike. And we're back. Uh, two games into the finals. Um, exciting two games. Uh, They're both split. Obviously, if you're looking <laughs> at this, you probably at least know what's going on. Um, We're going to dive right into the game recaps. So, game one. Uh, Nuggets take game one at home. Uh, what did you think about this first game? Um, Denver showed absolutely no sign of rust whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, they came out. I mean, their energy was crazy. They were feeding off the crowd. They looked like a team that was off for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, and they just win. came in with more energy at, like, every position. Yeah, they did. Uh, and by the time Miami even really woke up, it was kind of like you're going into halftime down seven. Like you didn't really play poorly. You're going into halftime. You're getting blown out. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was just too much Denver. <clears throat> yeah. And I thought the shot distribution for Miami was kind of weird. Um, I, I feel like, you know, shoes 0 for 10 was really bad. Caleb Martin one for seven, Jimmy six for fourteen, not not horrible. Bam thirteen for twenty five. It's a lot of shots for Bam, but not you know decent game for him. While on Denver, I mean, Jokic was eight for twelve, Gordon was seven for ten. Very efficient games for all of them. And Murray taking twenty two shots. That's kind of what you want if you're Denver. You want Murray to be aggressive. And he's, I mean, he's looked great in both games, but that first game, I think that defensively, they were all over the place. Um, we mentioned uh, before that game, Michael Porter Jr., this was the game where his X Factor really kicked in because he was rebounding great, had 13 rebounds in this game. He had two blocks in this game. He was like, first, probably the first half, he was all over the place. Like, you notice him on every single play. Yeah, I thought the role players in general for Denver kind of set the tone. I mean, Gordon came out with all those post-ups, those drop steps. Uh, Like you said, Porter, like he he didn't come out shooting well, but he was making hustle plays. He was rebounding. Like all things we know he could do. Yep, and the shots that he did make were big shots. Oh, yeah. And then Bruce Brown, of course, came in and was just going crazy as usual. Yep. You know, when the team was cold, he was kind of the one guy that heated up. So mm-hmm. it was just a perfect blend for Denver. It was. What? Why do you think that um, Miami didn't really adjust to the Aaron Gordon thing? Because, like, first, first half, Gordon, like you mentioned, with the post-ups on Vincent, um, they were exploiting every switch, uh, letting Gordon exploit every switch, every mismatch. Um, and the Heat kind of just like let it go for the whole game and then try to just like outscore it for some reason. Yeah, I, early on, I thought they were too focused on like rotating on Jokic correctly, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, the it, it often happened that to make sure Jokic stays covered we got to, like, switch, and that's when Gordon was feasting. Yeah, I agree. So it's weird with Denver, too, because, like, they're not really running things to make you switch. Mm -hmm. 
but a lot of their natural plays just like you, it's just so tough to stop that you have to give up something. Yeah, and they're constantly moving. They're setting a lot of off-ball screens, which like rarely teams do now. Yeah. Like, they're setting off-ball screens for cuts and for post-ups when most teams usually just set off-ball screens for threes. And, and like they're and setting off-ball screens for a lot of different actions. Now that I think about it, uh, you remember after that first quarter, they interview Gabe Vincent. Mm-hmm. And they, they ask him, like, you know, why is Denver so tough to stop? And he says, literally, like, they're all cutting. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, Boston didn't cut. We know that. Uh, New York, like, with Brunson kind of running the show, only one or two guys cut. Yeah. You know, so they really hadn't seen this play style that much. Right. And, I mean, even with New York, when they do cut, they're just, like, too small to really worry about it. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland um, is just – there's no cutting to be found in Cleveland. Right, and then um, Milwaukee, they kind of they just stay outside most of the time. They leave the paint open for Giannis, so it it is a different look for Miami, especially since they're kind of Miami kind of runs that at times, not as much, but I think Miami's offense is very similar to Denver's offense in um in some ways, where you know you got the big who has the ball, holds the ball longer than anyone else in the possession. Bam holds the ball way longer than anyone yeah. else in Miami ever does. And then the actions are kind of all around Bam to see what Bam sees. And even though Jokic is a better playmaker, um, it's something that they should be used to in their own, uh, like their own version of it. But it was interesting. Uh, interesting first game for Miami. Um, Anything else on the first game? I I wish Jimmy had kind of set the tone more Mm -hmm. like I you know Bam took a lot of shots and I would have been fine even if he didn't shoot well I thought a lot of the shots he was he was just being aggressive you know Jokic was giving him a lot of room uh, and a lot of the other guys were being defended well so like you have to take what you could get Mm -hmm. but but Jimmy had a lot of those opportunities and he was just kind of swinging the ball yeah, he was. He wasn't nearly as aggressive as yeah. you would think in a close game. Yeah. Relatively close game. Yeah. But I think with when Bam takes a lot of shots, Miami has to find a way to still like be a threat on the boards. Cause when in the at least in the first game, because no love, they didn't play love at all the first game. Um Highsmith kind of came later. He's kind of like a He's a pretty aggressive rebounder, even though he doesn't play that much. But Bam was taking shots, and there was like it was just a one shot play, which when Miami usually is a two or three shot kind of team. Like when when Martin or Struess takes shots, there's Bam, there's Jimmy, Lowry, Martin, all get in on offensive rebounds. But when Bam takes his shots, they just have a hard time getting to him, and maybe because they're not really ready for him, but. Um, I think they have to find that balance if they want to stay in the series um, overall. If they want Bam to keep being aggressive, which he has to be, he has to challenge Jokic uh, defensively. Yeah, um, man, at times. It, it's tough. It's going to be tough for them to like maintain that balance. It is. It <clears throat> is. Um, okay, let's get to game two, which uh, was a really good game. The first two first half was a really good game. 
I felt yes. like. It was pretty back and forth. Um, it had a few lead changes. Um, Jokic was very aggressive in this game. Very aggressive, uh, scoring-wise. How'd you feel about this game? Um, Miami shocked me with this performance, to be honest. Oh, yeah? I, um, let me kind of paint the picture coming in. So I'm, I was starting to think like, man, the way Denver plays at home, like Miami's in serious trouble, uh, where, you know, they, they do so many things that you can't really adjust to. You can't really like game plan for, but game two, they came out and they executed offensively better. Mm-hmm. They which did. was which I really didn't expect. I was starting to think the only way you could beat Denver at home is like what um, I mean they they didn't do it at home, but what De- Devin Booker did, which was just go crazy efficient, right? But Miami just came out and they played to their strengths so much better. Yeah, yeah, and, and that really shocked me, man. What would you see in this one? Um, it was a big difference from the shooters in this one. First game for the shooters, I believe Robinson, I don't know if I said it, I think he was 1 for 6. Struce was 0 for 10. In this game, second game, Struce 4 for 10, and uh, Duncan was 4 for 5. And it's just field goals, not just threes. But they just came in and were really, really aggressive. Struce was getting a lot of looks. Um, in the first game, he really didn't get a lot of easy looks. And the ones he did, he just kind of missed. This game, they started out early with Struess getting some easy looks. I think Love being in there, a big body in there when um with Gordon was huge, a huge adjustment. I really wanted them to make the adjustment at halftime of the first game. But in this game, he comes out with Love starting, and they look fantastic, man. Uh, I mean, to your point, they, Love is also a really good passer, so I think the ball movement was better. Um, I think the rebounding was better. Everything looked, they just looked a lot better overall in this game. And still, yeah. Jimmy wasn't really that aggressive. He was and, aggressive in spurts. And Denver, I think, made the mistake Miami made in the first game, where they were so focused on Jokic, so focused on Murray, that you know, you're know you not noticing that uh, Aaron Gordon is posting up Gabe Vincent over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Porter is pulling up on you know on Struess on Rob on these guys who are too small for him. Mm-hmm. In this game, I I think it was flipped. I think mm-hmm. Denver was so focused on containing Jimmy Butler to your point, who wasn't really being aggressive, mm-hmm. that it left Struess wide open. Wide open. I mean, the the announcers are getting mad because it was the same like. Set the screen, but don't really set it, and then you know curl off of it real quick. That caught Denver sleeping like four different times. It did, and like it again, did. it's the focus is all on Jimmy, which I'm not mad at, but Jimmy's mm-hmm. behind the three point line, not even being aggressive. Robinson had like seven straight points at one point just from doing that in just the fourth the quarter. I thought yeah. they would learn from Struess doing it in the first quarter. In the fourth quarter, like it, the personnel just changed, mm-hmm. and it was a cr- credit to to Robinson who did kind of show like he was willing to dribble, he was willing to like not just take shots. Mm-hmm. But 
the defense was the communication from Denver was so bad. Yeah, it was. And and another thing that Denver, um, as far as Malone, I think just overall, I didn't see enough. Uh, there was times when Jokic was out that the team was playing really, really well. I mean, really well. Christian Brown came in and played fantastic. Um, Jeff Green, he didn't play that much, but you notice him out there on the thing. court. Yeah, Ron played and, well, but barely. Yeah. Um, and there was a long time without Jamal Murray there. I, I think it was the fourth quarter or into the third. Murray was out for a long time while Miami was going on a run. And I, I just kept I kept wondering, like, every position, yo, when's Murray coming back in? Yo, where is Murray at? And I know they were going to Jokic, and Jokic was scoring well, but really no one else was playing well for uh, Denver at that time when Miami was really – on that um, run in the fourth quarter. And Murray didn't come back in until like maybe five minutes in the fourth quarter or six, six or seven minutes in the fourth quarter. And I just felt like that was a long time for really your best one-on-one score on your team to be out of the game while the other team was going on a run. Um, So I think it was just some weird coaching decisions from the Denver side. I felt like in this game, um, yeah, I didn't think they went with stuff that was working. Michael Porter Jr. really didn't play well at all. Uh, no. He still rebounded decent, but his defense was Soft, bad. Man, he, even like he rebounds again a lot of times just because he's tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first game he, really he was snatching. You know, first game he was going up there snatching it. Look immediately, turning, looking for a good outlet. Mm-hmm. This game he was just kind of I don't know. He was just out of it. it seemed like. Yeah, I, I would tell Michael Porter Jr. if you don't get at least one over the back foul in every game, yes. you're not playing hard enough. Yes, like I you, absolutely. I want you taking someone out for a rebound every time down court, or else. I mean, seriously, he doesn't play hard unless he really crashes the boards with uh, aggression. Um, Bruce Brown is another one. He played really good. I didn't think he was out there long enough. Also, even though he played 27 minutes, still didn't feel long enough. Um, so some of those things for, um, Denver, what I think that's really cool about this finals is that we're seeing two teams that kind of change what the the stigma of the NBA is with the super team thing, where these teams value their depth way more than their starting five. Yeah, like these teams have a depth of players that really contribute, play hard, probably could start on other teams or at least get a lot of minutes on other teams. Um, And they just go with more guys and it it works better. And we talked about this way really early in the season with the Clippers, the Bulls, um, the Celtics, these teams that have a lot of really good players. But, yes, they have a lot of really good players, but then you get to like seven or your eighth and ninth man, and yeah, they're good, but they're kind of unplayable on this team because they don't really have a role. They have a lot of players that don't really know what they're supposed to be doing out there. Um, I remember we, I was talking about the Clippers, and like, yeah, they have Covington on the bench who has started a lot of his career. but In playoff they, games. Yeah, and then when they put him in, he has no idea what he's supposed to be doing. Um, and that's no, no disrespect to Covington because, I mean, he's a good player, but it's that it's that situation but here both these teams i think their depth is so much better because 
the guys who come in have a specific role and they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing when they come yeah. out on the court. I mean, even hey down to Haywood Highsmith, he comes in and does exactly what you asked him to do. Yeah. And I think it's the teams are different. Like Denver is more of find a core group and like the and they've had good core groups with Jokic and Murray in the past. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like the chemistry wasn't perfect. You know right. what I mean? Like even when it was good, I thought uh uh the guy in Orlando, uh Gary Harris, Gary Harris. Yeah. he was a good fit, didn't really seem like a perfect fit. But then Millsap was like a disgusting fit, and he was there for a long time. Long time, yeah. And, you know, and Gary Harris towards the end like fit worse than before. Monty yeah. Morris, his last like when when Murray's healthy, Monty Morris didn't really fit well. Right. But this yeah. group of seven, eight guys with Braun being like the eighth guy, mm-hmm. like is a flawless chemistry. It is because those guys really don't do they don't play out of their game at all. Never. Like, the other guys you just mentioned, Morris, um, Morris drives a little more often than he should. Millsap takes way too many shots. I mean, he yes. did when he was on Denver. I'm not talking about it now, but when he was on Denver, it was like, yo, why are you taking so many jump shots? Um, and Gary Harris, I mean, he wanted to be the leading scorer on the team, and it just it just wasn't the right team for him to do that. Um and I, I mean, he's a good scorer for a complimentary player, but you're right. It just wasn't the right team. And I think, I think if all the guys you named, he could have worked, but it just, it took away from someone else. Every time he played good, someone else had yes. to play bad. And it, that's not really what you want on your team. Um, another one, I mean, even Jeremy Grant was a good fit for them. And that's because when he, you know, when he was more of a complimentary player himself, he came out there and all he did was catch lobs, maybe um, the backdoor cuts. That was his thing. I mean, that's all he did, and he was great at it, absolutely yeah. great. But once he blossomed and kind of had more uh, tools to his game, he he wasn't gonna work there. Like Jeremy Grant today wouldn't work there. Yeah. And um, so I I think that a lot of teams maybe will see these these finals and say, man, maybe we just need some guys who are complimentary who can stick to a role on our on how we play and just stay in that and it would work because the Lakers are another team yeah they have a lot of good players but I can name five guys that come in the game and look like they have no idea what they're supposed to do and yeah could argue I mean they're yeah. deeper than both these teams yeah man a lot of these again a lot of the success here I, to me is coaching also like the fact that, that two, yeah. these two guys have been in their position for a long time. Mm-hmm. And Malone is not nowhere near as good of a coach as Spolstra. But again, mm-hmm. Malone is very, very self-aware about the team. He's very in tune with who Jokic is as a player, who Murray is, who yeah. like now who the, these other guys are. And it shows. It shows because they're mm-hmm. always playing to everybody's strengths. Everybody's involved. And every other team we talk about, even when the cast is there, even when the, the talent is there. Like, everybody's not involved. Right. Right. And Denver, again, I think Denver is a very – um, what's the word? I guess uh, a, a blueprint you could copy, a blueprint you could follow. I agree. Yeah. Now, Miami yeah. is another story entirely, in my opinion. 
I'll, I'll say this before you talk about Miami. I think the only thing about Denver is you won't find the uh, unselfishness that those guys have. And to me, Jokic may be one of the less unselfish guys on the team. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Like, Porter Jr. is at the top of, you know, I, I call him selfish, Bog. but in basketball – in basketball terms, he's selfish. And I'm not saying he's a selfish person. Yeah. But on the basketball court, he wants to shoot. And that's just his game. But Jamal Murray, anyone else like Jamal Murray, there's no way they go a game and only take 15 shots. Zero chance. Because he's someone who, I mean, me and you both talk about him enough, but we know he's capable of leading the league in scoring. If he really, yes. really wanted to, yes, he could average as much as anyone in this league. So He makes it look easy. He makes it look easy. So to have someone that talented being okay with only taking 15 shots a game or, you know, I don't know how many, I don't know his shots per game, but so far, I mean, his last game, he took 15 shots. That would not happen if that was Kyrie in that situation. If, you know, that was Steph or a lot of these other guys that go ahead. Yeah. I think him and, and Jokic, that's why they're so flawless as a duo because either one of them could lead the team. Yeah, they could. Like in the Phoenix, it was more Jokic. Every other series, it's been more Murray. And it's a variety of reasons for why. But they embrace whoever takes that number one spot versus like trying to force a specific guy to be it. Yeah. And it works naturally. And I think that's when they're at their best. And that's one thing I think kind of went wrong in this game where, like I said, Murray sat a really long time. Well, Jokic, yeah, he was cooking, but with Murray not out there for so long, it just felt like, all right, like you need the you need that other scorer, the best yeah. scorer on the team out there. Especially like, with Miami that. making every right play. Yeah, that I thought it was really, really strange. That was just um that was one thing I noticed. Uh what else about this game? You have anything else about it? Um about Miami. Miami, I think, is is a different story from Denver. Like it's impressive, obviously, but Miami's not a blueprint other teams can follow. Um, I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe. Maybe. Um, it's more so. I mean, there there's certain teams who could follow it. Golden State could yeah. follow it. I think San Antonio no, could follow it. No, well, I guess my point about both these teams, you would have to build these teams. Like no team that's currently constructed can just turn into these guys. I'm saying I think that other teams will start to say, maybe we need to build our team to be more like these two teams. Because, no, I completely agree with you. To be Miami, you're not going to just wake up one day and say, hey, let's start playing like Miami. It's just not going to work. Or Denver. But let me ask you, if you had to pick one of these teams to try to like play like or become like, let's say, build a roster like one of these teams – which one would you try to go for first? Miami. You I would try Miami's like building an entire like roster of hard workers, of yeah. guys who had to earn every second of clock they've ever had. Yeah, because one is really cheap. Um, because these are undrafted guys, right? It, that's one reason. Two, um, I don't think they're going to lose any of these guys. And I don't think I, – I'm not trying not to sound 
I don't mean this in a bad way, but I don't know if any of these guys have any further aspirations than what they do for Miami. Like, I don't think Martin thinks he's going to go be the best player on another team. I think Martin thinks he's in the perfect situation. I think Michael Porter Jr. dreams every night of being on a better player on another team. I've taken 25 shots a night on another team. Yes. I mean, that's, that's true. But Miami, I think the problem is I'm thinking more of broad. I, I don't think other teams could become what Miami is. Well, it, like I said, you'd have to start it almost because I mean, there's a lot. It, it's, it's a much. Yes, it's a much. You yeah. have to start from scratch. Uh, yeah. You have to build like the organization, not just the roster. Yeah, you know, you're gonna have to like. One thing about Miami is like all these guys can play. They're they finding can. all these dudes out of nowhere that can play. <laughs> but the reason why I would I would also try that is because. There's no, um, there's no pressure on anyone on Miami any night. Like I don't feel like Bam ever has a lot of pressure on him. I don't feel like I feel like only the media puts pressure on Jimmy, but I don't think he ever feels it because he never acts like it. Um, I mean, Lowry has pressure because he's old, but there's none of these guys have any pressure on them any night, and I, that's what I. That's why if I had a team, I'd want someone a team like Miami because of that. But if it would it would be tough to build it, it would be tough. I think I agree. I want but... a team like Miami, but real if I'm be being realistic, I Denver, I could possibly replicate that process. Yeah, I mean Boston. You... Boston is close to what Denver is. They just have no awareness for like how to succeed playing with each other and how to like involve everybody on the court at all times reason why i didn't say denver too is because i think it's a miracle that it's lasted this long of them being unselfish like again like i said the murray thing him staying there as long as he has i, mean, I know he's had injuries and stuff but him staying there is kind of like a second fiddle to Jokic, and for Jokic to be as unselfish as he's been with the amount of numbers he can put up i just don't think I don't think that if you did that with other guys, it would last as long. It would last maybe two That's years fair. and it would be done. Like Again, Anthony Davis couldn't stay through any fire in New Orleans. He was ready to go. Like That's with fair. A, just as good of a situation. No, I mean, there, yeah. there's a variety of reasons for both why, you know, most teams couldn't replicate their success. Yeah. But I just think Miami is such a like foundational process mm-hmm. that if you don't already have a good culture, like, I mean, there's teams who even have pieces of what Miami does well. Like I think Charlotte mm-hmm. drafts good wings for what? They do. For what? They drafted, like, I mean, they picked up Caleb Martin. Even though they right. didn't draft him, but they picked him up first. But like Charlotte has good track record of mid first round wings. No direction. Uh, Detroit has drafted good players. No direction. Cleveland for years had no direction like Miami with whoever they picked up, whoever they drafted, whoever they brought in, there was purpose. Well, I guess. So with your question, it depends what position I am. If if I'm the coach, then yeah, I probably I'd rather coach, like try to coach a Denver team. Yeah. But if I'm the GM, I'd rather try to do the Miami thing because it, it seems like a lot easier to find guys like that than it is to find, uh, 
I mean, even if you don't find like them it, but... how they are, even if you don't find them how they are, a lot of these guys, like you said, they're just hungry guys. And a lot of teams don't they don't play the hungry guys like this. You know, they're not as much. Yes. I mean, Struce got cut from Boston. And look at the guys who played for Boston. None of them yeah. looked hungry in this last series. You know what else is weird? And, like, this may be a shot at the East, but Miami looks like they practice more than everybody in the East. Yeah, they do. Like, I'd give the West a little more. Like, I think Denver looks like they practice. I think the Clippers look like they practice. Uh, Lakers definitely practice. Lakers, like, a a lot of the teams, Golden State, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento's a team. Well, maybe not. Maybe not Sacramento. I might have gone too far. But but with Miami, like, they're, they're so much more in tune with how they can adjust to things. Yeah, because I like we that was kind of our biggest issue with every other Eastern team where something goes wrong and you're just sitting there watching it go wrong. Mm -hmm. Or something, you know, for you was going well and now isn't and you're just sitting there. Mm -hmm. Like, that's one thing I love about Miami game to game. They adjust different guys get shots. The guys that struggled the game before. There's more of an effort to get them good shots. I mean, yeah. you know, Jalen Brown was taking horrible shots for seven games, and I never saw an adjustment. Yeah, I mean, it it this goes hand in hand. But like I said, I don't think I didn't think Boston watched any film. I just don't I don't believe it. That's Thank the same you. thing as saying they don't practice. I don't. I just don't know how you can make the same mistakes over and over again if you watch the mistakes happen. I don't think Philly watched film against Boston. They didn't. They couldn't have. So, again, it's like, and hypothetically, yes, Bolster's a way better coach than these guys. Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't be, the gap shouldn't look this wide. Yeah, I I was going to say, I don't even know if I would even say way better. I think the team plays way better. But, I mean... It's it's just hard to even have that big of a gap coaching because so much of it comes from the team, you know. I mean, um, again, their much, willingness much to play zone. Team. I mean, they could play zone. It's Discipline. nobody's ever like. It, I don't know. Maybe this is more Jimmy Butler than we thought, but it's okay for anybody to lead them in shot attempts, which we normally mm-hmm. criticize them for, but. Like with with their formula working the way it is, it's it's such a perfect mix. And you just see a team full of winners on that team. I mean, even though they don't win all the time, they don't you know they haven't won a championship yet. But you see all those guys out there really only care about winning the game. And I I see that so few and far between throughout the league, um, especially like with a whole team of it. I mean, even when they're getting blown out, it looks like guys who just really wanted to come in and make an impact on the game. Yes. And you know, that that's something you don't see or you'd see it and the players aren't used enough. Like I mentioned, you know, this is like I'm not saying Chetty Osman is as good as these guys, but I told you early in the season I only like him because he comes out there and looks like he's trying to win all the time. Yes. He can play like garbage, but I know he's actually trying to win. And I don't I can't say that for anyone else on the Cleveland bench. I just can't. Um, uh, trying to think throughout the league. I mean, even Austin Reeves. I think that's one reason he even has a job in the league 
when he's out there, he looks like he's trying to win every single game, no matter how he's bad trying he's trying to getting. prove himself every every play. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can name two players on every team like that, but Miami, you can't name anyone on Miami that isn't like that. So that that's a big that's a big part of the culture you mentioned. I mean, it, seriously, they go out there and they do whatever they got to do all the time. And this team, maybe it is honestly, an undrafted thing or what? I, I don't know, man. It, it's I mean, it's got to be Pat Riley. A, a lot of it has to be Pat Riley. But the focus this organization has had, just this entire like as a whole, from D Wade getting there to to now. I mean, they've been like one of the premier competitive teams in the league. Since they fired um, Van Gundy, they've been flawless pretty much. Flawless. Since then. Yeah, I mean, was, I their lottery teams are fun to watch. Their good teams are fun to watch. They're like purgatory average teams with D Wade and with, you know, Bosch and D Wade later on were fun yeah. to watch. And they've always been competitive. Yeah, every, even all the little experiments they have, you know, Dragic getting a lot of minutes. They have Michael Beasley as like a main piece for a little while. Amari, like all all those little experiments they had were all really fun. Fun to yeah. Watch. I like Luol Deng there for for a little bit, <laughs> super little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I will too. say, I will say, Miami, Miami is a top tier culture. Couldn't save Michael Beasley, unfortunately. <laughs> no, couldn't. Couldn't at all. Couldn't use him. Could not save him. Um. Okay. So, split is split at home in Denver. What do you think is going to happen in Miami? Man, the way the role players have have played, like it's really hard to predict. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitively, where this series goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually I've really loved what I've seen from Gabe Vincent. Yeah. And like I, I can't imagine Denver makes him a focal point or makes it a focal point to contain him. Mm-hmm. So if he continues to play at a high level, I de- Miami's definitely winning one of these next two games. Yeah, I mean, it, and at home, I, I would expect. Definitely expect one. I think we're going to have one game that is super high scoring, very little defensive impact. I mean, I think they'll be playing good defense, but I think it it won't matter because it'll be like Murray is going to have an – he's due for an explosion. It's coming. It's definitely coming. And I think it may be the Murray versus Miami show where he has like 45 in Miami, like everyone on Miami's hot, and they score like a a 45-point quarter – Something ridiculous. I feel like something ridiculous like that is going to happen in one of these games. What's wild is um, Jimmy could do the same. Like with Jimmy, it's much less likely. Mm-hmm. But with Jimmy, could just explode out of nowhere. It, it's funny because when Jimmy does it, they defensively Miami locks in and like stops the other team from scoring while Jimmy does that. Right. I think that's one thing that is cool about when Jimmy is having a good game. Miami's defense gets way better when Jimmy's playing good. It's like I don't know, I don't know how he does it. When he when he's hot, the defense gets better. On Murray's side, Miami can keep scoring, and Murray just scores more. Like he'll 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 trade threes for twos. Uh, Miami can keep coming down and scoring, cool. But Murray's gonna take 
you know, 30 footers and, you know, just outscore him, outscore the other team just with more points or accumulation of points. Maybe it's a stop almost, here and there. It's almost better really. for just Murray to be hot because if anybody else is hot, he like he like one ups any other heat on the court. He does. Yeah. Even if it's on his own team. <laughs> he he does. And I mean, that's why I think you kind of have to he has to lead them in shots in a, in a win. If he doesn't lead you in shots, to your point, it's like he either he's either gonna um him being out there is either gonna slow down the other person or um he's gonna take, you know, tougher shots that he probably shouldn't doesn't need to take in the moment, or they kind of get out of rhythm if two people are hot. Unless it's yeah. Michael Porter Jr. like catch and shoot hot. But if someone else is like really off the dribble hot. They both get out of rhythm with Murray out there because Murray needs to be fed. He has to. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's interesting. So you, you, got... do you think Harrow comes back? No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I I think he could, but I don't think that he'll be ready to compete at this level. Um, Missed, if he, he does, maybe the... a little short spurt. First game, right? The first Milwaukee game. Yeah. Yep. On that dive, the loose ball. It's weird because nobody really took Miami seriously at that point, and they're now the best team of the conference. So it should tell people who felt that way a lot about Hero. So. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. His impact on their success, like I hope people see now, it wasn't that important. Yeah. Uh, telling you, but... I mean, the Kevin Martin comparison is there. Kevin Martin could have fifty, and team would still lose by thirty. I, I can make a case they they would have lost to Boston if he was playing. Possible, yeah. Uh, especially well, would have been bad shots game. on both sides, right? But anyway, that's <laughs> obviously no all defense. hypothetical. Uh, I, I'm sticking with my pick. I don't know about you. I still think Miami in seven. I I'm leaning more towards that. But I'm a, I'm gonna stick with Denver in six, but I am leaning more towards Miami in seven. So Okay. That game too, man. I, guys played well for Miami, dude, and, and they could do it again. Like it wasn't a fluke. They could. They could. And you know, uh uh I don't want the Jokic the uh Jokic hate or like, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm um, dog and Jokic or uh, diminishing him in any way, but the Nuggets play a little bit better when he's not like a scoring machine against teams like Miami. There's some some teams that Jokic could get 50, 15, and 10, and Denver's unstoppable, but Miami is not the team that Jokic needs to get 40 points a game against. It doesn't help them because they, they need to they need to use the accumulation of the depth, because Miami's going to use the depth. No one on Miami is going to try to get 40. It's not going to happen unless someone's really on fire, but they're not going to go out looking for 40. Um, they're going to have shots coming from all over the place, and Jokic is just going to have the ball too long. And um, So if they do that again, it's not going to be good, I don't think. I think any game Jokic gets 40 in this series, they lose. So um, yeah, that's no disrespect to him. It's just, just not how just isn't the right team to do that against. I think he can do that, but not against Miami. Um, 
it's weird so, man it's always like a fine a weird balance to me mm-hmm. uh where it could lean one way or the other very easily like depending mm-hmm. on the circumstance because there are yeah. times when like certain teams just can't guard Jokic so poorly or like they, mm-hmm. they're so bad at it that he kind of yeah. has to attack but yeah. but to your point against the good teams like against Miami they need the balance they need the depth to be involved yeah yeah, the, those teams that he does that against are the teams that don't have depth. Like Flippers. with Phoenix, they only play six good oh, yeah. players on Phoenix. Oh, yeah. And no disrespect to the other guys, they don't. They only go six deep. So Jokic can dominate those six guys. But once you get to Miami and it's 10, 11 deep, you got um, Highsmith and Love out there, and you got all these guys that are contributing. You can't play one against eleven. You can no. play one against six, one against five. But not one against ten or eleven. It's just... You might be able to play two if it's Jokic and and uh, Murray, but it can't be one. Right. You can't have again. You can't have Murray sitting out for eight straight minutes in crunch time, thinking like we're going to do fine. Yeah. That was like the most bizarre move of the of the series so far. But, um, I think I do think they'll split in Miami as well. And then I think for me, I think Denver wins the next two games. I think if it goes seven, I don't. I don't see Denver winning that game seven. I just don't. Even in Denver, I don't see it. So I'm with was, you there. Yeah. If it goes I had that seven, same. I had that same mindset with Boston, where I was like, okay, it's it's in seven, but my my mm-hmm. lack of faith in Boston is so strong. Like I know they're losing this. With mm-hmm. Denver, it's not. With Boston, it was more like I know their flaws. With Denver, like I just don't think they're built for it, like Miami is. They're not built for it, and I think they make a mistake. Um, no, like I think Malone makes a mistake if they do that. I, I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but for some reason, I feel like the back against the wall desperation. I think Malone makes. I think he loses that one for them. To to be honest, uh, I think Spo will just out coach Malone in Game Seven. Yeah. I, I want them. I want Denver to go down two one, because I I really want to see what they're made of at that point. But yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. We will see. Um, exciting stuff, man. This is a good finals. It already is a really really good finals. Um, to be two teams that I don't think many, you know, not, not crazy fan bases to uh, be there. At least not historic fan bases. To, to be there it is it is really cool and um we will see what happens uh this you got anything denver's else first right this would be denver's first title for i don't know yeah, i have I no think... clue about other sports but as far as i know the Dem- denver basketball team has never won a title i think since the merger i think they want to yeah. i want to say they, they might have won, won it before ABA. Yeah, ABA one maybe. I mean, that's way the fuck back. Let yeah, yeah last yeah. most of the league's like individual life cycle, they got nothing. Yeah, yeah. Since the merger, they have nothing. We're just like 80, 79, something like that. Yeah, I saw they yeah. showed it. it. Was there was a couple other teams in that list? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, and, um, uh, hopefully those teams, you know, get out of that within the next twenty years. I would like to see Miami get out of D Wade's shadow with a with a win. I like it. I, I like it, yeah. D Wade has three or four. Three? 
Yeah. One without LeBron, two with LeBron. Yeah. So it would be nice to see him get out get out of his shadow. I mean, Spo um, becomes. I mean, at that point, I mean, he probably is their greatest coach ever. But oh yeah, I mean they were they were only a team for like ten years before Wade. Not even I don't think right. So it's crazy because Spo is like young as hell too. Yeah. Because Spo yeah. can really stick around for so long. Yeah, I I mean um, Spo got there when LeBron got there, right? That was a no. First, he was there. Year. I mean, as head coach. I want to say it was like his third year. Third, okay, yeah. I know it was early. Because I remember I was mad at him because he didn't double Paul Pierce in that game three and let, uh, I believe, Darrell Wright, if my memory is correct, get cooked on the ISO. By the way, where do you think Paul Pierce took the shot? Uh, Where? The, the right fucking elbow. Where, where the fuck yeah. else would Paul Pierce look to shoot a game winner? Yeah, if he is that elbow, you can count it every single just time. Just go, yeah, just give it up. But anyway, yeah. but he was there for a couple of years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 08 was his first year, so. And they had Riley and Van Gundy. Injury, hmm? Was that D-Wade's, no, D-Wade's shoulder injury was 07. And then 08, they had that gross series with Atlanta. That was yeah, I think so. Blow yeah. out every both ways every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you got anything else uh, to talk about today? Um, we'll be back. We'll be back after the the two Miami games, and then from there we'll probably go game by game. Yeah, if yeah, yeah, it will go past that, but yeah. yeah. When is the draft? Oh, June twenty second, coming up quick. I saw some of the combine and some of the um workouts. Uh, I don't really have much to say about it, but the workouts have been pretty interesting. I saw the Zach Eady went decided to go back. A lot of guys went and decided to go back because of the um uh, overtime elite guys that are coming in that are like top ten locks. So. The guys who would be top 10 any other year are all going back. So I think that's pretty interesting. The amount of guys going back is the most I've ever seen. Like in my lifetime. It is is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen at least eight and at least eight, like really good players. So. Yeah. Because the top five, everyone knows who the top five is going to be already. It's, It's, you know, it's. Wimby, it's Scoot, it's Brandon Miller, it's the two um, Thompson twins, I think. Uh, Eamon Thompson and Asur Thompson, I think. Yeah. And that's that's the top five. So everyone else is battling for five to ten. You know, the money's not. After that, you don't really get a lot of money. So, hopefully I mean, the that's Wizards, much money. Uh, hopefully the Wizards get a nice, uh, what is a seven, eight, something like that. You should trade that pick, man. They haven't made a good draft pick in a long time. <laughs> they haven't made a good uh, organization decision in a long time. But let's, let's been the... end, end the episode on that note. Is Beal the last good draft pick they had? I think Kelly Oubre came after. Does he count? Oh, y'all did draft Kelly Oubre, yeah. Let him fucking I mean... walk. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is it good if you guys... 
trade him before his rookie contract was even up. Don't forget, we drafted Otto Porter third. Yeah. At the time, that was a good pick. At the time. And he was he went to Georgetown. So he was like, you know, a stayed fucking home kind center. Of he was trash, bro. I did not think it was a That's good a pick, pick at the time. time. I'm not hating on that one. But the other ones. <laughs> yeah, it's not the, the only one. Bad. There's a lot of mistakes. Just there. at the time. Just at the time. That's all. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't have anything else. You good? No, no, that's it. All right. Um, thanks for listening as always. Please subscribe, follow us, all that good stuff, and we'll be back uh, after two games. <laughs>